Welcome to Drive CTE, the podcast that leads you down the highway to make new discoveries of what can be in CTE. We're your hosts, Maria Border and Jeffrey Matu. Let's get driving. Hi, Maria. It's great to be back to Drive CTE Season 2. Uh, to kick off this season, uh, we wanted uh, to hear from our CTE teachers uh, to see what they're doing to get ready for the new school year. Uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing five instructors to hear about their plans for the upcoming school year and their students. Well, Jeffrey, it's great to be back with you uh, for Drive CTE Season 2, and we are excited to kick off this new school year. The instructors we interviewed are in no particular order, um, and the instructors include Chris Feltman, Public Health and Safety Instructor from Huntington County Career and Technology Center, Mindy Tobias, Dental Assisting Instructor from the Central PA Institute of Science and Technology, Nina Eckert, also a dental assisting instructor from Lebanon County Career and Technology Center, Nelika Beats, Health Sciences Instructor from McCaskey East High School, and Justin Breen, Electromechanical Engineering Instructor from Lebanon County CTC. We hope this podcast helps you get your school year off to a positive note. Please check the podcast episode links for resources and information to help you get your school year started. Let's get driving. So we asked the teachers the following questions. The first question was, how and what do you do to prepare yourself for the upcoming school year? The second question was, what are the activities and strategies you use during the first week of school to engage your students and prepare them for a successful school year? Third question was, how and what things do you do to involve parents at the beginning of the school year? And then the final question was, how do you involve the upperclassmen or higher levels of students to help your new student assimilate to their new classroom. All right, so now that we've laid the groundwork for the questions and the information that you all will be receiving, let's listen to what the teachers have to say. Um, how do you prepare yourself for the beginning of the school year and the first week of school? And then do you do anything to mentally prepare yourself for the school year? So I actually spend quite a bit of time um, working on my lesson plans over the summer. I know there are some people that don't do that, but I do, um, mainly because I teach um, four le levels, three levels on the high school side, sometimes four, depending with radiology. And I also teach adults at the same time. So I have to have my days uh, really well choreographed. So I'm actually, that's what I'm starting. I just started this week. So I'm already working on lesson plans to be ready. So as far as the being ready for the first week of school, I do have those lesson plans already done. Um, I will go through and just put in what I think I want to do. And then I will usually go back two or three times and really go over them and make changes if I feel I need to or change out an activity here or there. Um, but most of my planning, like I said, is done usually by the end of July because that's I just feel more comfortable myself going in prepared than unprepared. Um, as far as being mentally ready, um, I do work through the summer. So usually I am ready to go back to school. So there isn't really much mental preparation. I don't think that I do. Um, I do love my job. I love working with the kids. So it's not that... I kind of dread going back usually by that 
yeah, the end of August when we start, I'm usually ready to go back mentally. I make sure I have everything I need, first of all, and get everybody into Schoology, so on and so forth. I like to uh, make sure I have, it's like a pencil box in there. They can put their name on a, a name tag so we can learn each other's names. Uh, an eraser, a pencil, a pen, and uh, a notebook will be on top underneath it. I use that to put their phones in so they're not being rude and using their phone while I'm talking or anybody else is talking. Uh, I like to get all my paperwork ready, the creed and other things of that sort um, ahead of time. And then they can get up and move around and pick it up, which keeps everything flowing. I try to be, always be prepared. I like, I love what I do. I like getting in there. I like getting ready, um, ready by, you know, knowing I have my papers, my books and those things is, give, brings me comfort. Every year I try to like probably the beginning of August, I start to go back and look at my lessons like the first week. And I think about reflecting the year before, like what worked, what didn't work. And I try to make notes on those lessons. Um, and so I, I just try to get my mind back in the work frame of mind instead of the vacation and um, think about the new incoming students. Um, the last two years, because of the pandemic, the, the whole start of school year and preparing was so different. Um, last year we were uh, back in, so it was, now it was going back three years and saying, okay, what worked and what didn't work. And so I think it's just more of a self-reflection of how did things go pre-pandemic and how is the impact of the pandemic on the new students coming in? Like, what do I have to do to really get them comfortable in in their environment and back in a, a good frame of mind to start the school year off. Basically, I, I spend the first couple of weeks before school just going through what my plans are lesson-wise, you know, what, what particular certifications I'm looking at teaching in the first couple of weeks, make sure that I have everything that I need to, to start those. And, uh, you know, some of those certifications require contacting other agencies to get permission to, to hold the class, you know, so you have to make sure all those arrangements are done and in place first. Um, and then it's just a matter of making sure I have all my supplies lined up and ready to go. Um, and, you know, my first few days are more dealing with establishing, I guess, my authority. Um, public safety is a paramilitary type operation. So establishing the fact that this is my classroom and you shall do as I say, you know, is very important. Uh, we go over my personal rules as well as the school's personal rules. There's actually a quiz on the rules <laughs> um, and, and things like that. Um, they understand what the consequences are of violating the rules. Um, 
I have to deal with uniforms for my particular program. So I have to make sure that they're all laid out and ready for the new students um, and that everything is there for them uh, to try on and be ready to start wearing uniforms with the other parts of the class. So that's that kind of consumes my first two or three weeks before school starts. So one of the biggest things that I, I do is, is just try to make sure that my equipment's still in the state that I left it the year prior. I'll go through the shop. I'll, I'll turn my equipment on. I might run through a lab or two and just make sure that everything's working the way it's supposed to work, at least for all the initial stuff. Um, I'll go through documents, any type of purchasing that I need to do prior to the school year for uh, like consumables is a big one, something that I know that I'm going to need immediately. Obviously, you got to prioritize the uh, things that you're purchasing to what you need immediately versus what you need in the future. But um, I'll look at those things and, and try to get that stuff ordered or, or already have it ordered and things that I've ordered the year previously that it came over during the summer. I'll put that stuff away and just check everything out, make sure everything's in order that way. So you've already done the preparation. It's the first day, first week of school. What specific things do you do to help you become familiar with your students and help your students become familiar with you and the other students in class? Do you use any strategies that first week of class to make them feel welcome? If so, you know, explain away. Some people won't agree with, with, my tactics on this, but my students and I have a very heart-to-heart conversation the first couple of days. Um, I tell them basically that I'm going to be more involved in their life than they realize, but that in public safety, you have to work towards being a team. And so therefore, or within this room, it doesn't matter what school you're from, that no longer matters. Uh, you are now part of this public safety team and you are there to support each other. Um, my students get my personal information um, and that has been beneficial over the years um, because I have had students call me for very dark moments in their life. Um, and so they know that they can contact me if they're struggling with something, if, if they're having a general life problem, they contact me. Um, and I know a lot of teachers, that's not what they necessarily want to do. Um, but with public safety, the, the concept is, is we're, we help the public, so I'm there to help my students the same as I would the public. Well, I do welcome them all. I Usually one of my grandchildren puts welcome on the board during the time I'm up there prior to them coming. Uh, I make sure that they have um, everything they need, like I said before, and then they have a blank card, note card, and I ask them to put something on there that someone wouldn't guess about them. Like, and I give them an example, I'm dyslexic. So that's not something you'll see until I start writing on the board. But they don't have to put their names on, no names. And then we go through them. And if you want to own up to it, you can. If not, that's okay too. 
Um, I'd like to ask them what they know about dental assisting, what their thoughts are. And we go around, we talk about that. Uh, another, I think, really important thing is to open one of the books and do the book scavenger hunt, which gives them the index, the contents, the glossary, the chapters, and all those things, because a lot don't know they're there. They don't know how to use a textbook. So that, that helps them. Once that, you know, I tell them to open to chapter one and, you know, vocab or what have you. Well, during the first week, I really try to get them to uh, know each other and know me. Um, just because I think that sets the tone for the year. So if you don't get everybody on the same page and get those expectations out and let them know that, they have something in common with somebody else in the class so that you can make a cohesive group, you're lost. So I really work on the first week. We don't do a whole lot of academics the first week. It's more or less uh, getting to know you type things. And <clears throat> with, a, with an underlying career and expectations, rules and regulation expectations, but it's not in the forefront. It's woven into the activities for the week. And so usually I go over like homeroom uh, procedures first and just say, you know, this is what we do at homeroom because the school has expectations. We're in a comprehensive high school. So we have to do what the school does for everyone. So they have their own expectations of what we have to do. And that is, all right, let's do a Nearpod, let's do our lockers, let's get our schedules, like that uh, procedural um, items that the school expects. So I usually get that out of the way first because the kids are usually quiet because they're like uh, in a new environment, so they don't talk or anything. So that's a perfect time to go over all of that because they're all listening. And um, so that usually takes about, you know, 45 minutes till we get over that. And then I go over some of my rules and expectations with just like, here's where you hand in your papers. This is, you know, I expect this to be handed in here, your name here, you know, just my own personal things, how I want the processes to go. Um, so that way, if I give them a paper the first day, they already know how to hand it in. And then I can make sure that they're listening. I let them sit wherever they want in the beginning so I can see the dynamics of the group and see who's friends with who and who's gonna talk to who. And then, um, then I can mix and match them after, after the first week. So I usually give them a week just to see how they um, choose their seat and, and who their friends are. Um, I also have them do um, get into groups. So I'll, uh, typically the kids sit in it with their friends. So they're already in a comfortable arrangement and I put them in groups of like four or five. And I do a desk writing activity where I give them a dry erase marker and they write on the desk uh, what their expectations are of me, um, what they want to get out of the class, what they think the rules should be and what the consequences should be. And um, so they write that all up and they discuss it among each other. And then we combine groups 
and they all look at each other's desk writing. They cross off things that are duplicate and we have one master list then. And then um, they go back to their seat and then they tell me, we make columns on the board and they're like, okay, what are my expectations as a teacher? What are yours as a student? Um, what do you want to get out of this class? What do you think the consequences should be if you know you're you know disrespectful or you're late or and so we make a whole then classroom chart and that I put on a, a big post-it and we keep it up and it's their list and they created it. And so that definitely helps them stay more um, uh, on task with, with the expectations because they created it. And then I can point to it. I'm like, hey, you guys, you did this. You came up with that. So <clears throat> I, I find that if they have a part in it, they're more likely to follow that um, rules and expectations. All right. So um, we do do a lot of activities, which I'll tell you about here in a second. Um, but I am very role driven uh, just because, like I said, I do have a lot of levels going at the same time. Um, so it's important for me to establish routines right from the start. So basically on the first day when they all come in, we have four different schools that are coming in. And then, like I said, I have adults as well. Um, that are already coming in kind of stereotyping each other just because we are bringing in these different schools and they are sports rivals and they usually have an idea in their head of what the other people are like from the other schools um, and I need them to be able to work together so I do spend a lot of time the first week um, doing activities team building different things there are some teachers that don't believe in that but I do um, I don't look at it as a waste I look at it as a getting them be prepared to be a team because when they go into the clinic, they have to be able to work effectively as, as a team um, or things don't get done or, you know, a patient gets hurt and whatnot. So as far as what we do that first day, when I bring them in, um, we will, the very first thing we talk about is the routine because mine is very laid out. Um, and we do usually stick to that same routine every day. So I like to establish it early because there's times where we make transitions from the clinic to the classroom. And if I get it established early, um, usually by like week two, they're making those transitions without me even having to tell them. So we go through the routine and I will do that at the start of every day that first week. Um, after that, we'll go to introductions. And I usually start with the M&M game where they reach in and take a handful of M&Ms out and they think that, you know, they're getting a treat and they're taking these like big gigantic handfuls. Um, but what I do then is each color has a category and they have to be able to talk about themselves, which they don't realize till after they have got their M&Ms. So it makes it kind of fun and it's a good way for them to tell certain things about each other since they haven't really met each other at this point. After that, I will go into going over my classroom roles and any roles that the school has because, um, you know, it's important to establish the roles. It can't all be fun, I think, all the time. So we do do roles. Then to get them up and working together and especially the younger kids with the adults because we have ninth and 10th and with adults and that's kind of intimidating. Uh, we actually do a scavenger hunt of dental items. So it's items that they're not really familiar with. So it's opening their eyes up to some of the things that they're going to use. And it, we put them in pairs of two with people they don't know. So they're going around the room. And I mean, they're basically ripping through everything, trying to find these items in the room. 
And then to end off the first day, we'll do some icebreaker jokes um, just for fun. So they laugh and have fun doing that. And they'll do that with partners as well. On day two, um, we usually start with a Google slide where I have them put three, four pictures of things that are important to them. And that can be different for each kid. There's some, you know, that'll put their family. There's some that puts their activities, their boyfriend, whatever. And it's completely up to them because I tell them it's what's important to you. So we see it all. Um, but they'll that, do that in a Google slide. And then they can go through and kind of really get to know each other that way as well. Plus, they usually stand in front of the class and present that to the rest of the class, too. But I have each class in one Google slide. So even the AM can see the PM and whatnot. So that even if they're not technically in class with them, they still get an idea of everybody that's in the dental program. Um, from there, we usually still do weaknesses and strengths. And they do a writing assignment all about me. Because once again, it's stuff I need to know, too. Um, so that I, when I'm looking at my lesson plans, cause even though I use them, I do get them ready. It's kind of a guide. I will change those lesson plans probably even on a daily basis before I leave. The last thing I do is look at my lesson plan for the next day. When I come in in the morning, I bring it back up and I look at it again. And I usually put my bell ringer in at that point, the question I'm going to ask. So I assess my stuff constantly. I probably over assess everything, but that's just the kind of person I am. So like I said, they're a guide, but I will change them if I see, you know, something I need to change, but getting their strengths and weaknesses and seeing what works for them and what doesn't work for them will also have impact on the activities that I choose throughout the year. So I like to get as much information in that first week that I possibly can, that I can use that to go by. Um, I have them do some activities like Floss's Boss, where they have to work with a partner. It's something simple as putting some peanut butter. They put on a glove, put peanut butter in between, take some yarn and try to floss. And it shows, um, well, I actually take toothbrush first, sorry. They take a toothbrush and brush, and then they have them open their hand and they can see that there's still peanut butter. So it's just an activity that talks about how important it is to floss, but it gets them working with somebody. Once again, I pick usually all partners that first week because I want them working with as many different people as I can. Um, but they seem to like it. They have fun with it because it makes, you know, a mess and yeah, you know, who cares? It's peanut butter. You clean it up. So they'll do that. Um, we also do some team building activities. We'll do minefield where we'll take and set up an obstacle course, whether we do it inside or outside, depending on what the weather is um, when they have to wear a blindfold and they have to be able to walk the person through the minefield. So building on communication and still getting them to work together. Uh, we do helium stick, which is a game with marbles and pieces of wood. They've got to work together to get the marbles down into a container on the floor. Um, and that's one where they really got to strategize together. It takes them a while to figure that one out. So, and I usually try to pair up um, so many ninth graders with so many 10th graders and same thing in the afternoon with 11th and 12th. Um, just once again, I'm getting them to work together. We do crossing the river, which is some um, board planks where we have our fake river. They have to stay in those boundaries. Um, and they have to have one foot of all of their team on the wood at the time. And there's some smaller pieces and some larger pieces. And they're literally like hanging on each other to be able to do that one. They have fun. At first, they're a little shy, but by the end, man, they're packing, you know, 10 kids on this little tiny board and they're laughing and having a good time and it gets them working together. Um, the very last day, I do do water games with them. I take our heads outside, our dental heads, 
um, attach them to a chair and we have water guns. So, you know, we're spraying water in people's mouth as part of our um, routine that we do every day, but now we do it for fun. So they have to stay so far back. They have these water guns. There's a cup. I take duct tape and tape a cup to the open mouth on the back. So whoever has the most water in their mouth at the end of the game is the winner. Um, they like that one. They have a lot of fun with that one. I had a beanbag game made where instead of just throwing beanbags, I have big mouths with an open mouth. And that's the hole that they're trying to get the beanbags into. Once again, this is stuff at the end of the week. So hopefully they're starting to talk and have established those relationships. And they are usually having a good time just doing that kind of stuff. Um, we'll do PPE races. We do do this straw tower building, you know, whoever can build the tallest tower and then put the foil ball on it. So that is more of a team building one. We do an obstacle course for outside. And I'd say the other thing that we do, and I only do this one with 11th and 12th, just because they have um, an understanding of the layout of the school, but I let them do a selfie scavenger hunt. So I'll pick out things that they have to go find. Um, and it will be throughout the school and then they have to take a picture and then we have them plug it in a Google slide. So they'll each come back with their Google slide then of their paper of everything that they found. Um, and that one we will split up 11th, so many 11th grader with the 12th grader. So it is somebody that they're unfamiliar with. So that's basically all of the first week activities that I usually tend to do. Like I said, I'll switch them out here and there, but for the most part, that's the first week for us. So a lot of it is just trying to build that relationship. I mean, obviously you're, you're just meeting these students for the first time, most likely. So just, uh, getting to, to know them a little bit, kind of get an understanding of where they're coming from and what they're doing and then give them a little bit of insight into you, whatever it is you're comfortable with. Like me, I don't get real personal with the students. We talk about some things, but uh, kind of like little background or hobbies or something like that and see if there's any type of common, common ground between you and them. Um, but a lot of what I do is, is basically just try to give them the structure of the class right off the bat. Like I, I go straight into letting them know these are my expectations. This is what I expect from you. What do you guys expect from me? And, and those are the things that I really focus on because that's the important thing is right off the bat, just have them know exactly what to expect is going to happen in the class. So how do you, or do you, and if you do, how do you involve parents um, during that first week of school or even the first few weeks of school? I have the only program in the building where I have a contract that must be signed by the parent and by the student. And the contract lays out the rules and expectations that I have of the student, things like grooming standards and things like that that aren't part of the normal school rules. Um, you know, and it's basically, I must have an email address from at least one parent of every student, whether it's a work email or a personal email, I have to have at least one email address. Um, and so then I utilize that if I have a student that misses two days in a row, I send an email to the parent. Hey, everything okay? Sometimes I find out that the child is skipping <laughs> and the parent didn't realize that they weren't coming to class. Um, so it's, it's kind of a beneficial communication capability 
Plus, parents don't hesitate to contact me and say, hey, how are they doing? You know, so we, you know, I just establish that relationship up front and I try to keep them updated as the school year goes with progress. Um, I do send a letter home with the students to give to their parents with my contact information. Um, I do a, a student or a parent interest a form where they put in there like um, they could help with this or they work in a health field, they would be willing to come in and speak. Um, just things that they might be able to add to the classroom and, um, you know, contact times that are best for them because they may work night shift and sleep during the day. So I just do this whole parent interest thing the first week. And um, then I just use, I collect those forms. And if I don't get it back from a student, I call the parent and said, you know, I have this interest form that, the, that your son or daughter was supposed to give to you. Do you see it? And, and then make sure I get that back. And um, so that's usually the first, first week. So I don't reach out unless I don't get that form back. And then I use them throughout the year. So I don't make a, a verbal or physical connection with them but we do have a back to school night the first week that is for um, well it's a freshman orientation night but all parents are allowed to come in so I always encourage parents to come into that so I can meet them and they can come into the classroom. Uh, for 9th, 10th, and 12th I basically put out an email introducing myself telling the uh, just saying to the parent you know I have your child this is what the breakdown of what the school year is going to be you know, if you have any questions, reach out to me, please. Anytime that kind of, I guess, regular email that I guess most people probably send out. Um, I do email parents as often as I can. There was a time where I did do updates every Friday. Um, I do not have my adults on Friday, so it was a little easier for me to do it um, on Fridays. The last couple of years with COVID, I haven't had as much time to do it, um, but I at least do email each parent quarterly and obviously more often if there is um, an issue. So we have at the Lebanon CTC, we have a uh, back to school night. Um, sometimes it's pretty well attended. Other times there's not so many people that, that show up. But usually what I do is I'll have a sign-in sheet. I'll get everybody's email addresses and phone numbers, home, cell phone, whatever it might be. And then uh, I'll just send out an email to start off the program right when the students are in, just introducing myself, giving them an expectation and letting the parents know these are the things we're going to be working on. This is what we're going to be learning first. If they have any questions or anything like that, they can contact me. Um, if I see students that are doing really well or, or not doing so well in the very beginning, I'll contact parents pretty much immediately just to, to let them know, hey, there's some things that need to be addressed or your students doing or your son or daughter is doing really, really well in the program so far. So, but I, I definitely keep in communication with the parent. Oh, we do a newsletter. I usually have one that can put a newsletter together better than me. I'm not the best, but we'll put early pictures in. The first one usually has something from last year. These are the things we do. This is our clinical. This is maybe my mill. This is where we take x-rays, that kind of thing that they can do it. And I do it by email. And at this point, I, I have everybody's email, which is good. And then thereafter, I let I put someone in charge as a reporter in the 
class that volunteers and they'll set up a newsletter and we send it out. I would like to say monthly, but it ends up to be every six weeks. Wow. That's, that's a really neat idea for um, classroom involvement as well as parental involvement for those teachers that teach multi-level classes. Is there, do you use your older students that first week of school to prep your first year students? Do you use any of your upperclassmen in any way to help your new students transition to the classroom? Yes, I do. Um, like I said, the reporter does our newsletter. Um, I try to get a president and vice president to run meetings because we have parties. Um, we have different um activities that we do and that way we can organize it like if we have our volleyball tournament they can organize t-shirts and we can do t-shirts in a day i try to let them do that rather than me do it i have class officers um i have a sergeant a lieutenant and a captain each one has specific job duties uh, for the program they would be my 11th and 12th grade students, you know, would they, they actually have to go the extra mile to get those positions um, and do extra work for it. Um, and so I use them to teach the new students. For example, we, we fall in in formation first thing every day. They have their uniforms on and they go through an actual uniform inspection. So my older kids and my officers help teach them how to wear their uniform the right way, how to adjust things, um, the, the facing movements, left and right face, about face, you know, attention and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, in that first week, the uh, other students are helping quite a bit to transition them in. Like I said, with the activities, I pair them up. Um, obviously, 11th with the 12th are more experienced. Um, as far as in the classroom, they're the ones that are helping me do demos. Like they're going to be playing, especially this year, because I do not have my assistant this year. It'll just be me. So that means for every demo that I have to do, I need to have a dentist sitting in the chair to help me. So they will take on the role of being the dentist, which kind of, you know, lets them show off to the other kids. Um, and they will also help me oversee them. So as the younger kids are practicing, I might say to so-and-so, and I send them in groups of two. Anytime I have the older kids overseeing the younger kids practicing, I always have them go in a pair. So I'll say to two of them, can you please go over to chair five and just keep an eye and answer any questions until I can get over there. Um, so, I mean, I basically use them that way. I do pull them aside, uh, the older kids, probably in that first week, maybe early of the second week. Um, and we do have a little talk about being leaders and what that looks like and how the other kids are going to be watching every move they make and seeing what they can get away with and that kind of thing. And I tell them, you know, I really need you to step it up. I need you to be these leaders. Um, and they usually do once in a while we'll have an issue, but you know, not, not too often for the most part, they like to be in that, that role of kind of being the person in charge and having everybody watch them. Um, the senior year, we also will do videos. We'll do the Flipgrid stuff and that kind of thing. And they'll be the ones that are making the videos that I then kind of keep track of. And if the younger kids need to see something, I'd much rather have them watch it, them doing it as long as I've overseen it to make sure it's correct. Um, than sitting there watching me do it. So 
that's kind of the role that they that I use them in. Uh, one disadvantage we have is our students aren't all together at the same time. So we have like the upperclassmen are there in the morning and are, you know, the juniors are there in the afternoon. So um, unlike a lot of the CTC centers, they're all together into one room. So what I have been doing is I have the seniors create videos. So they've been doing instructional videos like safety in the lab. Um, they do like a uniform fashion show, uh, you know, what they're supposed to you know, how they're supposed to dress and act. And so I record that and then I play it for the students, uh, for the juniors. So that's how I, um, and I also had the seniors make posters that they hang up around. Um, and then as juniors, we go around and discuss like, what does this mean? You know, why are we, you know, stressing this or why did the student come up with this? And so that's, that's my way of, of connecting the two Plus, we then have HOSA, which is, you know, the future uh, health professionals. So um, then they all get to meet. So that we meet after school for that. So we have all, you know, juniors and seniors meet. And in that case, we have the seniors then demonstrate skills and help the juniors with their competitive events. Okay, great. Um, is there any advice you have for teachers um, heading into the school year? Uh, you know what you're doing. You know your trades. So just teach. That's all you can do. Provide that knowledge that you have to the, the students. Uh, give them something that, that they can walk away from your program with that is going to make them successful, either just in life in general or even in the trade or in the field that you're working in. We hope this episode has provided you with some ideas to help you get your school year off to a great start. Thank you to all the teachers that were willing to share. Be sure to listen to episode two as we explore pre-apprenticeship programs in Pennsylvania and learn about the program's benefits for students. Until next time, buckle up and drive safe. Thank you.